Welcome to the Bobcast, episode 15. I'm Stephen Day, following Bob's progress through the US Open sporadically through a very small phone and slow internet connection. Fortunately, I'm joined by someone who managed to watch it on a slightly better technology, I hope, and is better placed to give us a more accurate report. My colleague, Keith McIntyre. Hi, Keith. Morning, Stevie. I'm feeling a bit socially isolated here with no one here. I know. Just the two of us. I mean, they've they've obviously found something better to do. George is skiving on holiday. I know Fiona's working, so I, I can't have a go at her for that. Well, I think uh, Bob did tremendously well to make the cut in his first US Open, uh, recovering from a, a wibbly start. But he's not happy with his irons, apparently. And I'm assuming we're talking about the golf sticks, not his shirt decreasing technology. Yeah, he was a bit bit erratic as you see he seems to have been a bit hard on himself you know but i guess that shows you just how far his expectations of himself have come mm-hmm. you know making the cut when you see guys like tiger woods phil mickelson henrik stenson all comfortably missing the cut uh you know he got on right on the cut line um at six over um so yeah his game has come on such that he's expecting higher finishes i guess mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he did. What he did was was terrific. I mean, he won't be happy over the weekend at six over par on uh, at the end of Friday. He actually had a chance of you know really climbing the leaderboard. You know, because I think he was only at that stage he was only about three or four shots off a top ten place. The leaderboard was so tightly packed, um, but it just didn't happen over the weekend. Uh, so I was kind of surprised uh, that he wasn't happy with his irons because. If you look at the stats, it was his driving accuracy. It wasn't his iron play. It was his driving accuracy over the, the, the weekend. Was He only hit of the 28 fairways he took the driver out over the, the last two days. He only hit the fairway three times. You know, so, you know, that looks statistically where his problem lay, but he's obviously swinging the club and he knows what, what's going wrong. So if he thinks it's iron play, he's in a far better position to judge than I am. It must be looking, I mean, we've discussed the mental issue before, but watching the, the leaders, their scores decreasing and yours increasing. And But, I mean, he's got the mental maturity, obviously, just to how many of us could actually say, oh, well, that's where my problem lies. You know, oh, I think I'll improve. Oh, I think I'll take some time out to sort that out. The rest of us yeah. would just be going. He, he's made of strong stuff. He just, I mean, he's. it's not a, a great habit to have, always battling to, to make the cut, but in his last three tournaments he's been in that position and he's made the cut every time so he's he's obviously made a very very strong mental stuff i mean he, he had to uh, get a five uh, sorry you par five to finish the uh, on thursday on friday rather he uh, looked like he was going to have to par it to to make the cut he actually bogeyed it and still got in because people were dropping like flies down the leaderboard um but yeah he's, he's very mentally tough but he will be concerned about you know some aspects of his game clearly but it was a monster of a golf course mm-hmm. was, you know, only one you know bryson dechambeau our favorite uh, that we talk about in here wins it and a score of minus five minus six whatever it was uh, but nobody else was under par he was the only player under par you know he completely overpowered the golf course to bob's credit he he raised thirty five thousand dollars for his uh alamatra and you know that's what he said he was going to do 
uh, I think, was that birdies he was going to say? If every birdie, he, he would donate? Any birdie or better. So a birdie or an eagle, if he, he was going to donate $3,500, which I guess is about £2,700, £2,800 for every birdie to uh, his uh, Hurricane Relief Fund in mm -hmm. Louisiana. So, I, I, and he, he had 10 birdies, which I think the the most birdies anyone had over the, the four days was 15 or 16 birdies. So it's not hitting the birdies is a problem, it's the double bogeys and uh, bogeys. He, he's just got into a habit of having too many of those, but it was a hellishly difficult course. Yeah. So he's, uh, in his own words, I believe, skipping the Irish Open to work yes. on various things. And um, he's going to the Scottish Open to quote, to win it, which is the attitude he always goes in with, isn't it? He's always going to win. Which great attitude to have. Well, it's. I mean, he's got he's got every chance of doing that. I mean, ironically, for a man who is uh, making a habit of making cuts when it, when the pressure's on, he actually missed the cut in the Scottish Open last year. Even though I think it was. I mean, the cut was a bit minus two, so he was under par. But he missed the cut at the Renaissance Club last year. So, but he was out with. I think it was. He was out playing with Rory McIlroy and, and Ricky Fowler, so it was a real star-studded star group that he was out with last year. So he'll certainly be wanting to do better than that, but he's got every chance of, of winning it, particularly after playing two such difficult courses back-to-back, -back, Valderrama and Wingfoot. He will, you know, it'll be, unless the wind is howling at the Renaissance Club, it should be far more straightforward. Uh, to, to get around that and actually get some numbers in the red rather than the black because he'll be sick of seeing scores in the mid-70s. He'll want to see them in the mid-60s. So where is the Scottish Open this year? It's in uh, North Berwick in the Renaissance Club, um, which is down right next door to Archerfield Links, uh, just through um, Gullin down that way. So it's a lovely part of the world. Never played it. I played the uh, Archerfield, the neighbouring course, but I've never played that. But uh, it, I mean, to be honest, in the Scottish Open last year, the, the, the pros ripped it apart. I mean, there were really low scores. So it's going to be very strange to see all these minus 20 scores rather than plus 20s that we've seen in the US Open. And is it a kind course? It, it's a. Everything about these uh, coastal uh, courses hinges on the wind. If it's windy, it'll be tough. If it's not windy, they'll, you'll expect to see people shooting low sixties all the time. But it'll be, and it won't have you know the rough uh, uh, wind foot. I mean, you went in that, and it's just it was like cabbage patches, and you know, so it won't be like that. It'll be a bit thinner and a bit wispy. It's October in Scotland, so you know you're not going to have thick grass. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it should be a bit kinder. This is part of my silly question of the week. Maybe it's not too silly saying what you've just said. When is it judged too windy to play golf in competitions? There was a, funnily enough, in Scotland, um, about, or oh, probably maybe 10 years ago, they had to abandon play at St Andrews in the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship because the ball wouldn't, the balls wouldn't sit on the green people were going to putt and the balls were blown, they were moving, so they had to abandon places. Really only when it affects the golf ball on the green that, um, that they'll, they'll abandon it for uh, for, for heavy wind. Um, so, and that one's got a particular place in my heart because I was supposed to be playing the old course on the Monday uh, and because they abandoned it on the Saturday, uh, they had to uh, extend the tournament to the Monday, so I got kicked off the old course. It was the first time I was ever going to play the old course, and I wasn't allowed. So, 
that's why that one sticks in the memory. Question from one of our listeners, or maybe our listener. How many, <laughs> how many are there out there? You can you can email us at bobcast at opentimes.co.uk and tell us. But the question from our listener is, how will golf change now that the likes of Shambo are driving nearly 400 yards? And will all the other pros have to keep up and the weak ones are going to be left behind? Uh, it'll be a worry for the, the people who run golf because you can't just keep lengthening golf courses. I mean, A, it's not great for the environment and it's very expensive on the upkeep. So you can't keep, you know, the, the, the course at the weekend was, you know, seven and a half thousand yards. It was just a monster of a course. And, you know, guys like the, 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 the great players of the past prided themselves on hitting uh, fairways. Now, it seems to be that these guys are now hitting it so far, they would rather be in thick rough 100 yards from the green than in the middle of the fairway 250 yards from the green. Um, and, you know, but it, it's not just DeChambeau that's doing it, because DeChambeau was only about the 10th longest driver of the, of the US Open there. I mean, Bob was about 20th. Bob was driving the ball 330 yards. Um, but it, it will be becoming a worry. Uh, you know, guys have built a career, guys like Lee Westwood, who's very, very accurate off the tee. Um, you know, they, they can't compete with these guys because he's, you know, he's, he's getting on a wee bit now and, and he's a bit shorter off the tee than he was. So, but you can't do it by modifying the golf course. So there's a big debate about the golf ball, the technology of the golf ball and stopping the advancements with drivers, golf balls, all of this sort of stuff. And actually having, I've forgotten the word, there's some big fancy word that is something like bifurcation or something like that, where they have different equipment available to the amateurs than the prof uh, professionals. So leave the amateurs playing with all the high-tech equipment uh, and high-tech golf balls, but actually do something to limit the golf balls that the professionals use. Because it, it will... It's not a great deal of fun seeing somebody smack it 400 yards and then just chip on the green and two pop for a birdie four and a par five. You know, it's not it's not great to see that. So this is a wee bit of standardisation like they did in Formula One to say, well, you can only have this, you can only have that, you can only have the other. So you're competing on a, an even platform. It's the individual that makes the difference. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's actually a really good example of, of how I, it might work. But there's huge resistance. There's obviously resistance from, uh, from the club manufacturers, from the ball manufacturers. They want to keep pushing the limits. Uh, and there's, you know, big, big Bryson's not going to want any limits put on him. He's just going to take another 12 protein shakes, bulk up another 60 pounds and hit it 500 yards. Now, you see, I, I think they can maybe take a leaf out of uh, Wii Golf. I know I always come back to Wii Golf because it's the only golf <laughs> I play. But, you know, if you plant some trees right in front of you and do various things that you cannot just hit straight through, obviously that takes time. You can't just magic up a 50-foot tree. Is that practical or does that just ruin the game for others? No, well, they tried to do that to a certain extent at the US Open. What they did, because they know these guys are now, you know, carrying the ball 300 yards in the air, whereas bunkers used to be positioned at 200, 250 yards to catch drivers. Now they're having to move bunkers to the landing zone where the, where the players are hitting. 
But the problem is the equipment again, and, and actually the skill levels of the golfers has got so much that being in a bunker in the middle, guys are hitting the ball 200 yards out of a bunker now. You know, so it's very difficult. So I think the only thing that will stop them is to build a brick wall about 300 yards up the fairway. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's some people in America who are perfectly good at building walls. Maybe we could uh, ask their opinion on that. Oh, a controversial Controversial, answer, yes. <laughs> anyway, so he's not doing the Irish Open. He's working hard on various things. So the next thing is the Scottish Open. So I imagine that will be our next Bobcast target. It will be, and it's a really important one for him um, because it's there's back-to-back -back tournaments. There's the Scottish Open, and then there's a BMW PGA in Wentworth, and they're both part of what's called the Rolex series, which is you know a, a slightly elevated, slightly it's much more elevated in terms of the the world ranking points that you get and the prize money. The prize money. The guys on the European Tour are now playing for, you know, million, million and a half euro prize pots. These two are seven million dollars prize pots. So there's significant money and significant world ranking points in these next two tournaments that he's going to be playing in. So if he gets a couple of strong finishes in there, or as he says, his aim is to win the Scottish Open, which would be quite something, that would really, you know, shove him up the world rankings and significantly boost his bank balance as well. So no pressure. No pressure at all. We just Scotland expects. As we always do. Keith, <laughs> thank you very much and we'll see you next time on the podcast. Cheers, Stephen. The Bobcast was presented by Stephen Day and Keith McIntyre. The editor was Stephen Day. And it was a Wivex Media production for the Open Times. You can contact the programme by emailing bobcast at obentimes.co.uk.